The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Good to have you with us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. If you want to support the mission of the show, just go to patreon.com slash the Paul Leslie Hour. On this particular sojourn, we welcome one of the most renowned lyricists in musical theater, Sheldon Harnick. Originally from Chicago, he is regarded and revered as a legendary songwriter. A lot of his most beloved work, he co-wrote with the late composer Jerry Bach. Possibly the most beloved and famous musical of his would be Fiddler on the Roof, which debuted on Broadway in 1964. In fact, it was the first run in theater history to go more than 3,000 performances. Sheldon Harnick has written with some of the greatest composers ever, not just Jerry Bach, but also Richard Rogers, Joe Raposo, Michel Legrand, and many others. Some of the other musicals written by Sheldon Harnick would include Fiorello, She Loves Me, and Tenderloin. For those who are interested, there have also been some recordings that he has made of him singing his songs, and songs he co-wrote were recorded by pop acts as well, the Kingston Trio and Sarah Brightman, just to name a few. One of my favorite things to do on the Paul Leslie Hour is to explore through interviews the legendary and great songwriters in music. You're invited to listen to this particular show as we delve into the mind of a lyrical genius, Sheldon Harnick. Let's get into the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, it's with great pleasure we welcome our special guest, lyricist Sheldon Harnick. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. I want to kind of go back. What was life like growing up? In Chicago, where I grew up, I lived in a lovely middle-class neighborhood. It was safe, which people don't can't say about a lot of neighborhoods these days, but it was safe. I did a lot of bicycle riding. I walked to school. It was very pleasant growing up, and my father was a dentist. I have a brother and a sister, and we were, we were a very close family. Did you always like writing? Yes. Well, my mother used to celebrate every event, every bar mitzvah, every wedding, every birthday. She would write a piece of doggerel verse so that my older sister and I started to do the same. We started to write poetry, not necessarily to celebrate events, but just for the experience of writing and for the joy of writing. So, yeah, I I published little poems in my grammar school paper and then in my high school paper. I wrote from a very young age. What music do you remember hearing around the house? My father loved to sit by the radio and listen to classical music, so I picked up on that. And my sister got in, she was, as I say, older. In high school, she was with a very talented group of people who also listened to classical music and loved it. Also on the radio, I loved pop music. I loved the pop music of the day. As I get a little older, I loved jazz, particularly Benny Goodman and musicians of that type. Can you remember the first time you wrote lyrics? Wrote lyrics, yes. While I was in high school, I was introduced to a classmate who was a year ahead of me, and this classmate was active in the little theater scene in Chicago, and he wanted to write for the theater, which was something new to me. So we began to write sketches, 
And we began, first we began to write parodies of popular songs, and then he wanted to write original songs. So we began to write original songs, writing lyrics together. I don't know that I wrote any lyrics by myself at that time, but we did write lyrics together, and I would usually provide the music for those songs. What lyricists influenced you the most? At that time, it was W.S. Gilbert. I was a violinist, and there were a number of small Gilbert and Sullivan companies around Chicago. They could not afford orchestras, so they would go to the high schools, and they would ask the conductors of the orchestras to recommend musicians who were good sight readers and who might volunteer to join those orchestras and, and play without being paid. So I played a couple of Gilbert and Sullivan productions, and I remember that sometime during rehearsal, the director would say, orchestra, don't play now, I just want to work with the singer. So the singer would work with the pianist for a while, and I would listen. I was very impressed, especially by the Gilbert Patter songs, those uh, rapid-fire, almost verbal gymnastics, I was excited by those. And then later on, I began to recognize that, that uh, Gilbert was not only a wonderful word juggler, but he was also a poet. So I think he was the, the most important influence. But also, I loved, well, I don't think I knew Larry Hart's name, but I later realized that it was Larry Hart's lyrics that I was responding to. Tell us about the first musical review you wrote songs for. That would have been the college shows at Northwestern University. Before, when I graduated from high school, there was another violinist in the school orchestra who had gone to Northwestern University, and we were good friends. And he invited me to come with him sometimes to see the student review there. They, they were called the WAMU shows. They were quite elaborate. And so... When I got out of the Army, I chose to go to Northwestern, and one of the reasons was so I could contribute songs to those those reviews. And the very first song I contributed, I was lucky, it was sung by a wonderful performer who later went on to have quite a career in television. Her television name was Charlotte Ray. At school, she had a, her original name. So that was the, the first song I remember writing for a review, and it was a review that to a certain extent recalled the World War II. It was a song by a woman who worked in a defense plant and I had to go home to a lonely house. It was called I've Got Those I I can't even remember the title. I've got those Gotta Go Home Alone Tonight Blues. That's what that's what it was. How did you meet Jerry Bach? I was called in to try and help with lyrics. There was a show on the road a pre-Broadway tour based on Shangri-La. And the lyrics were by Robert Lee and Jerry Lawrence. But the show was troubled and had to stay had to stay out of town before coming into New York longer than they expected. And Lawrence and Lee were committed to work on their next show, which was Mame, Andy Mame. So they needed, when Lawrence and Lee left to work on Mame, they needed somebody for whatever lyric chores were necessary. I got called. And one of the performers in that show was Jack Cassidy, who was a very good friend of Jerry Bach. And he wanted me to meet Jerry Bach because Jerry had had a falling out with his lyricist, Larry Hollif Center, and Jerry Bach was looking for a new lyricist. So it was Jack Cassidy who introduced us. What was your impression of Jerry Bach when you met him? 
I was, it was a very positive impression. Jerry is very, Jerry was a, I have to say, sadly, Jerry was very witty. He was quite a brilliant and outgoing. And from the time I met him, we found that we thought alike, or politically we thought alike, our musical tastes were alike. And it was a very convivial meeting from the beginning. Fiorello was a show so many people liked. How did you feel about the original cast album? It was the first cast album that I had. The first show I did with Jerry was called The Body Beautiful, and it was not successful. And we had a heartbreaking experience. After the reviews came out, the uh, Columbia Records, which was supposed to do the cast album, Columbia didn't want any part of it. So they paid our producers a certain amount of money to get out of their contract. And so we didn't get an album. And for years, I would see other shows that hadn't run longer than The Body Beautiful, but which managed to get cast albums. So when Fiorello opened and was successful, and we did have a cast album, I was just thrilled with it. Fiddler on the Roof is such a beloved and very popular musical. Why do you think so many people love that one? I think it's because it touches on a couple of a couple of things which are universal. One, and I, to me, I, it's the most important element of the show, is the 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 problems that exist when parents and children differ in the way they differ in their values. Parents quite often grow up with a certain set of values, and more often, as often as not, children adopt different sets of values and drift away from the values that their parents prize, and this can make great problems. In in the show Fiddler, some of it has to do with the children not wanting to live by the traditions which their parents grew up with. This is, I think, this is kind of a universal thing around the globe that parents and children have those differences. What did you think of the Kingston Trio's cover of the Merry Minuet song? Well, I was delighted that they had recorded it, but but they played fast and loose with the melody and to a certain extent the lyrics. They just made whatever changes they wanted, and that I did not appreciate. Our special guest is Sheldon Hornick. What makes a good lyric a good lyric? You know, I've been asked that question a lot, and the last time I was asked it, I gave an answer in technical terms about easy to sing and good rhymes and so forth. And after the interview, I suddenly thought, as often as I've been asked that question, I never gave the real answer. The real answer is that the lyricist has, the lyricist has to have something to say. And he has to be able to say it with a degree of freshness. And if he has something to say, which people can listen to and say, oh, I never thought of it that way, or what, a, what an enjoyable way to put that thought, then it becomes a good lyric, assuming also that the man who wrote it has a certain technical fluency and can write gracefully and with interesting rhymes and so forth. Could you pick a favorite musical you worked on? Several. I loved Fiddler, of course, but uh, She Loves Me was a joy because She Loves Me was, I think, the first truly romantic musical that Jerry Bach and I had done, and it gave us a chance to explore a lot of different feelings connected with love. So that was one. Then 
I did an adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life with a composer named Joe Raposo. And unfortunately, we didn't know when we started it that there were problems with the underlying rights from the film and from the short story that the film is based on, so that we've never been able to get the show done in New York. We don't have the rights to it. But it is done around the country, and working on that show was a great pleasure to me because I identified so with George Bailey. George Bailey runs into a situation, as as most people know from the film, in which he faces failure. He even faces jail. But it's, it's the matter of dealing with failure. And I've had to deal deal with that in my own life. I felt very close to that character. Then there's another show, which I'm still working on. It's based on a Russian play called The Dragon. And it has to do with power and the abuse of power, which we see all around us in the world today. And I keep working on that show, trying to refine it so that it will mean something to American audiences when it was written in Russia, it meant something very specific to Russian audiences, which doesn't apply to the American political situation. So I'm still working in the, on that. But all of those shows gave me an opportunity to express thoughts that I felt deeply about. The song was originally from Rex. How did you feel about Sarah Brightman's cover of Away From You? Well, I was very flattered that Andrew Lloyd Webber liked the song so much especially because he was a big fan of Richard Rodgers, that he chose to do the orchestration for that number himself. If I remember right correctly, the other numbers were orchestrated by other people, but that one he did himself, and I was very pleased by that. How do you feel about the future of musical theater? I think there more and more people are interested in it. I serve on several panels that give grants, to aspiring musical theater people. There was one that was established by Ed Kleban, who wrote the lyrics for Chorus Line. There's one we just had our judging that was established by Fred Ebb. And then there's one that Richard Rogers established. And what we find year after year is that the submissions are by young people I've never heard of, but they show me that there's a great deal of talent out there and a great deal of interest in the musical theater form. So I think it will still, that musicals will still be written and produced. However, the matter of cost is of great concern to us. Musicals, at least in New York, and I guess it's true around the country in metropolitan centers, musicals cost so darn much that ticket prices have to be high, and that can scare off prospective customers. But I think musicals will always be done, whether they're done in colleges, whether they're done in community theaters, they'll be done someplace because they're fun to see, they're fun to, and they're fun to write. You've been involved with two that involved translating lyrics, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg and the 1993 Cyrano musical. What is that experience like of translating lyrics? Is that very difficult? It is difficult, but among other things, I consider myself a very good musician. And I have, uh, in my own, <laughs> in my own opinion at least, I have a talent for fitting words to music so that if I love the underlying property as I, as I love the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, it's a challenge, but it's great fun to try and find English equivalents for the words that I loved. In, in that case, it's in French. So that thoughts expressed in those lyrics can be expressed 
in the wonderful music that Michel Legrand wrote. Cyrano was a different experience. It was a show that had had a bad translation, and they wanted it improved. So that was that was a challenge. And I'll be very frank, the reason I accepted it was that I needed money at the time for income tax purposes. And I had a good offer to do the show, so I, that was the reason that I took the show, was to earn some money. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what is the best thing about being Sheldon Harnick? <laughs> the first thing that occurs to me, the best thing about being Sheldon Harnick is Mrs. Sheldon Harnick. Marjorie, her stage name was Marjorie Gray, and I met her when she was in my show Tenderloin. But she is such a wonderful person that I am just thrilled that she chose to marry me. That's the best thing about being Sheldon Harnick. Very nice. My last question, for anyone who listens to this interview, wherever they are, what would you like to say to all the people listening in? Vote Democrat. <laughs> I think. I, I watch, I listen to the things that the Republican presidential candidates are saying, and to me, they're frightening because they are so regressive. They are so rigidly, to me, anti-democratic. I know that uh, your program is not supposed to be a political platform, but that to me is the most important thing on my mind these days. Well, Mr. Harnick, it's been a great pleasure to interview you. Thank you. You asked very good questions. They were fun to answer. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye.